Hello and welcome back to the Future of Work podcast. I'm Sophie Fisher. Let me start by giving you some figures. More than 10% of Japan's population is now aged 80 or over. For the first time in recorded history, there are now more elderly people than young children on our planet. And a child born today in Europe has a 50% chance of reaching the age of 100. What that shows is that people are living longer than ever before. This issue of an ageing population has huge implications for the world of work, for businesses and policymakers, as well as for the workers themselves. And yet, when we compare it to some of other, today's other megatrends, such as climate change and technology, the ageing of the workforce seems not to get the same level of attention. So, in this programme, we're going to try and shift that dial a little. With me now is Dorothea Schmidt-Klau. Dorothea is the Chief of the ILO's Employment, Labour Markets and Youth Branch in the Employment Department. She's also done a lot of work on the issues surrounding an ageing workforce. Dorothea, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much to you. <laughs> right, let me start by asking you a fairly basic question, which is that Many people perceive this problem of an ageing workforce as being a problem of the rich, developed world. Is that actually the case? Well, maybe a figure will help there, which is adding to the great figures that you already mentioned. Um, we know that the ageing that has been happening in the course of this uh, uh, centenary, and, you know, if we, if we look at it, it has been dominated so far by developed economies. But as of now, it's actually the developing economies who determine this, that trend. So developing countries will age the most rapidly compared to others. The less developed countries will see their older population rise by nearly 350% until the end of the, the, the century. Developed countries are likely to see less increase, it's only 70%. Well, of course, they are already older, but still what we will see is that aging will continue and then will really be dominated in least developed countries. So this is a global problem now. It's absolutely a global problem, especially for one reason. There is one thing we know for sure, you better grow rich before you grow old. And what we, see, what we see in developing countries, they will not be rich before they start growing old. So if you haven't managed to get rich before you get old, what are the consequences of that? It's that older people will move directly from the job, if ever they have one, into poverty. And because they are the fastest growing part of the population, we will see poverty rates increase again. So everything we gained will be lost just simply because we don't know how, what to do for the older people. Now, in a lot of countries, particularly in the richer developed countries, there's an awful lot of talk about getting more people back into the labour force. We haven't got enough labour supply. What are we going to do about it? And politicians talk about getting young people back into the labour force. They talk about getting a higher proportion of people of working age back into the labour force. There's a, uh, a very, um, in many cases, acrimonious argument about the pros and cons of migration to improve your labour force. 
But there isn't much talk about keeping older workers in the labour force. Why do you think that is? Well, I think we have a huge problem of, of perceptions here. We think that older people are not as useful for the labour force as are young people, which I don't think is the case and which people working in this area clearly show that it's not the case. Um, the other thing is that it's very interesting to see that law determines whether you can work or not as an old person. We have the mandatory retirement ages in literally all labor laws. And it just says, as of a certain point, you're not allowed to work anymore, which is very unique. Right. So let, let, let's talk a little bit about that point of perception that you raised. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, commonly held views, which may be myths you can tell us. You tell me whether they are true or false. First one, older workers get sicker more often and they take more leave. True or false? False. Absolutely false. Actually, what we do see in many studies is older people, especially with chronic diseases, they know how to handle them because they've handled them all through their lifetime. We also see that older people have no intention to stay at home more than younger people when they are sick. It's actually almost equal. So there is no reason to believe that they have less working days in a year than, than young people do. Right. Myth or view number two, older people can't learn and they can't pick up new and modern skills. True or false? Absolutely false. Uh, the reason for that is, yes, it's true. If you stop learning, then you lose the capacity to learn. So the problem is not that older people cannot learn anymore. The problem is that many of us, at a certain point in our career, we stop learning. So you learn a lot when you're young, then you have other priorities, families, uh, you know, uh, making a career, but without having to invest further into learning. And then all of a sudden you think at the older age, you want to learn something again, then it becomes difficult. But if you learn throughout your life course, then there is no issue. And many studies actually show that older people are just as capable to learn as young people are. Okay, argument number three against older workers, they're less productive. Well, again, absolutely false. Um, we don't actually see any impact on, on productivity or productivity increases of older people way beyond the 60s, okay? On top, what we have with older people is that they have more experience than young people. So even if there was a slight decrease in their productivity, there is a huge increase in, in their knowledge, in their, in, in their capacity to do things, in their experience, and that certainly overcomes if ever there was a gap in terms of productivity. But as said, this gap only comes up very, very late in people's lives as long as they stay healthy. Mm, indeed, I, I was reading a, a, a report in the Financial Times of a, a study done by the British Medical Association that essentially found that uh, the capacity of healthy older people to perform as well as their younger part, they perform as well as their younger counterparts. Um, and in some ways, their capacity to process complex problems is greater because they do it on the basis of experience. Would that, that essentially uh, this be is in line with what you found? And this is exactly what we find as well. And, and this is exactly why uh, employers should not shy away from hiring older people. So 
why this barrier against hiring older people? I mean, I suppose one should simply call it what it is, which is ageism. Is that what it is? It's absolutely true. And ageism in the workplace is identified as one of the big, big challenges. Older people report a lot of cases where they feel that they, there is discrimination against them. Why it is the case? Well, there is one very old argument which still has some truth, and that's just simply because older workers in most of the systems are a bit more expensive than younger workers. But then they are more expensive because they bring additions that young people cannot. Uh, in this regard, maybe another interesting fact is that we find that uh, enterprises created by older people are much more sustainable than those by young, created by young people. So all these fancy startups, it's a great thing and some will survive, but the majority might not survive. Whereas if an older person opens, opens an enterprise, it usually stays open and is successful. And this is A, because of the experience. This is B, because older people don't take the risk. They only open a business if there is a high chance to succeed. And the last reason is they have their networks. So they really do something which is good enough to be done. So we shouldn't underestimate older people, even when it comes to opening new businesses. Let's just turn to the question of pensions for a little. Um, because if we have an aging global population and there are fewer children being born, presumably both state and private pensions are going to be put under increasing pressure because who is going to be working to pay for those pensions? This is one of the big, big problems and this is maybe why uh, the developed economies are more and more interested. We see we are getting closer to collapse of, of, uh, of pension systems. And just to manifest that in figures, in Africa, you have, for the time being, five people at older age who depend on 100 people at working age. You know what the figure is for Europe? What? What's the figure? 55 people at older age depend on 100 people at, in the work. So working it's not, age. It's not sustainable. So it's not sustainable. And that's only the older people. There are still the younger people who also depend on these 100. So it's very important to see that this increase in dependency ratios, so, you know, the, the ratio between those who are working and those who are not working become unsustainable and we really need to do something about it. But pensions are a good thing, aren't they? Because, um, I mean, the money that is dished out in pensions gets spent, doesn't it? It doesn't get saved, so actually it's boosting consumption. Absolutely, and this is what social protect protection does in general. So it's not just the case for pensions, it's for all the cases where you protect those people who definitely cannot work anymore. And there are a lot of people at old age who cannot work anymore or who do not want to work anymore. And I think it's very important that there is a very good pension system in place. Actually, the ILO has done some estimates because especially in the least developed countries, people don't want to talk about aging. So what we actually try to estimate is how much impact does it have if in the least developed countries, we only introduce a very, very basic pension system, but for everybody. So in the least developed countries, right now we have 23.2% of people covered by a pension system. If everybody gets a minimum pension, it would mean that the GDP in 
the least developed countries, would increase by 14.8% over the 10-year period. And the poverty would be reduced by, by six percentage points, which is enormous. Plus, we would see a huge impact on gender equality, because right now what we see is that women have a much higher likelihood to be poor when they are old. So this is a huge impact. Now people will say, yeah, but where should the money come from? Well, it's only 1.6% of the GDP of these countries that would be sufficient to actually finance. And the reason why you see this huge impact is because once you are protected, you can buy things, uh, you can contribute not just to work life, but you can contribute to your community, you can contribute to the well-being of your family, and all this has positive impacts on GDP. But presumably the sort of things that older workers or pensioners buy are different. I think that they buy more services rather than products. So this is actually going to reshape economies as well? Absolutely, and it's, it's a reshape that is very positive, especially for women. Because what they, the type of services they are asking for are often care services. And care services are dominated by women. So by making them, putting them in a position so that they can actually pay for care services or that their care services are protected, we create jobs for women, including for young women. And presumably it's domestic jobs because you can't outsource your care services to the other end of an internet connection. That's very true. So it would be very good for the local economy. Right, okay. Let's talk a little bit about what changes we need to uh, get more people, older people back into the workforce or encourage them to stay in the workforce. We've already talked about the issue of ageing, so I guess perception is a big one. That's one of the big ones. Um, and just to, to say up front, policies matter. Policies really make a difference and you need to have the right policies in place to actually make it possible that older people work longer. Other than that, um, you have to increase the labor supply. So that's definitely the case, which actually really, really means that you have to put people in a position to work at older age. And that means li very little things, but very big things at the same time. It means workplaces that take into account the needs of older people. And with new technologies, that can be easily done. Older people preferably work from home if this is possible. Older people might not want to work full time, but maybe just part time. Older people might need a bit of different technical equipment from younger people, but all this is feasible and it's not even very expensive. And they presumably want to do, maybe want to do fewer strength-based tasks and perhaps more intellectual-based tasks or service-based tasks. And we should let them do that because this is what they are best at. So the thing is, you know, you cannot just simply do the same things we do for young people, for old people. They have special needs and if we want to get their full potential, we need to adjust to these needs. But above all, as, as we already discussed, we just need to make sure that people understand that old Older workers can contribute just as much as young workers. And it's actually a mixed workplace where you have older and younger people working together, where you get the maximum out of working and out of you know these generations actually linking to one another. The kind of cross-fertilization of, of skills and talents and experience. Absolutely. And of course we know that you know younger people they they are more they more like new technologies, whereas older people might not like that so much. But then there are other issues that older people are very good at. So um, we talk about at the workplace, mixed teams, 
You know, we talk about mentorship programs where older people's mentor young people, while young people mentor old people, for example, in the use of new technologies. And that really makes a difference. It also helps to overcome all these perceptions. Right. Okay. Well, I think it's uh, a fascinating topic and perhaps one that requires uh, more attention from policymakers. Um, but for the moment, that's all we have time for. So Dorothea, thank you so much. Let's leave it there for today. Uh, hopefully we can come back to this topic in the future. My guest has been Dorothea Smith-Clough, who is Chief of the ILO's Employment, Labour Markets and Youth Branch. And thank you to you, our audience. Please join us again soon for another Future of Work podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>